What's going on, family? Make sure you get over to the regular network on YouTube, man. We started a new venture, man. It's a great network. We have great content. Get over, support, subscribe, share, comment, like everything you see, man. Okay, what's going on, family? We're back for another episode of the regular podcast. I have a special guest in the building, a VIP uh, the money maven maven she's an expert with what's up Kenny? how you doing so uh could you give the people a brief introduction let them know a little bit about yourself before we get going yeah for sure first of all thank you so much for having me on the show but what's up guys i'm shanique nicole the millennial money maven i help millennials retire rich and raise rich kids um, i'm an accountant financial advisor tax and wealth strategist and really, my end goal is to help you figure out how you're going to retire rich, debt-free, and live financially free. So that's what I do on a daily basis, helping my clients. And um, I'm the Money Maven. You can find me on Instagram at Money Maven Club. Money Maven Club. Okay. So you help, you help people retire rich. Now, what, what's, your, what's your background? Where, you, where did you grow up at? Yeah. So I'm from New Jersey, um, from Trenton, New Jersey small town uh grew up in the projects raised by two teenage parents i'm the oldest of six siblings and um you know grew up in a small town with a whole bunch of people with small minds mm. so i left as soon as i graduated college went to school for finance started working at merrill lynch so i've been in the investment space for oh, kind of aging myself a little bit but probably over 15 years mm. <laughs> Um, I've been in this financial, uh, advising and investment space and, uh, been in Atlanta now for about seven years. Okay. So that's where I am currently. So what made you go finance route? Because you said you're from a small town with small minded people. So what made you say, let me try financial? Yeah. You know what? That's an interesting question. Nobody's ever asked me that. So funny enough. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor. Uh, so I had my stay. I had asthma as a kid growing up, and I had my stay in the kids' ward. And I just loved the nurses, um, loved the doctors. And after that, I just knew I was going to be a doctor. But then when I got to be an adult and realized how much school you needed, to be honest, I was just a little lazy. Like, I didn't want to... <laughs> I didn't want to have to go to school for 10 years, right? Which is stupid of me because I could have been a doctor by now. But I was just thinking when I actually went to college, I was just thinking like, man, I don't want to give school another 10 years of my life. Ended up giving corporate America 10 years of my life anyway, right? The time is going past. So you really should do what you want to do. But I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, but I chose the business path when I went to school uh, just to, to be honest, just because it was easiest for me. So like, I was always the kid, like I, I'm a kid in class, I was selling candy, right? I was selling snacks. <laughs> so money was just something that, you know, that was just natural for me. Um, my mom and dad, they were both hustlers. My dad used to sell clothes out of his trunk. You know what I'm saying? He was pulling up like Master P, popping the trunk, selling the mixtapes. He was selling clothes. I was, I, was thinking baby, I was thinking baby boy, but you said- Baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> He was pulling up like Jody, selling stuff out the trunk, okay? Uh, my mom, she worked. My mom actually worked in finance. Um, 
And really when I, so when I turned like 17 or 18, I think I was like 18, my mom had me sit down with the insurance guy and he was talking to me about all this stuff that the rich people do for their children with life insurance. And um, that was really my first like professional introduction into life insurance. And she made me pay for my own policy. Mm. But the most important thing she did was introduce me to it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but then I ended up getting, I went to school for finance. And at the same time, um, I went and got a job at Merrill Lynch at what I thought was just going to be like a little summer job. Um, my aunt actually helped me get that job. I started off working in the mail room mm. and worked my way up uh, through, you know, through over the years. It was, I think I was there for about six years. So worked my way up from there. And, you know, it just, it really just made sense for me at that time. I was working at one of the best financial firms in the world. Um, I had a knack for money. Everybody always asked me about money. So I have a rule, right? So I have a, a, a three-time rule. If people ask you something three times, then you probably should be selling the answer, right? So if, if, if you have three different friends and they come and ask you about how you start a podcast, you probably should start a course on how to start a podcast, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my rule of thumb. So, you know, I kind of, I, I still take that uh, outlook on life. Like if I have more than three people come and ask me about a specific topic, I'm going to make a video and shoot the answer and send it to you when you ask me a question. So I also do that with my clients. Um, if I know it's a redundant task or, you know, something simple, I can just shoot a quick video and send it over to them. That's as soon as you said that, I'm thinking like the rule of three. I, I speak to a lot of people about a lot of different things, but I rarely have somebody say something that I never thought about before. <laughs> that was one because people ask me about different stuff all the time. And I'm just, you know, I'm like, whatever. I just tell them and just keep it. Moving. Right. But I never, you know, I just never thought about that. If, if so many people keep coming to you for something, because I'm, I'm more of a, I like to get information and share it freely. That's why Absolutely. When I do a podcast, I want to do it with people like you who have a wealth of knowledge so that when I share it with my friends, they can find out some of the stuff you know. But that is a good a good idea, though. Rule of three. That's, that's locked in. Okay. <laughs> so, we, you know, you hear stories, these big success stories most of the time about people who worked in finance, you know, at the big firm Sachs or uh, Goldman Sachs or Merrill Lynch or these big companies. And then they leave to go start their own business. But I have never gotten a chance to speak to one of them. So now that I have you here. <laughs> Mer so what was it like working at Merrill Lynch? And then uh, did you leave because there was an issue or you just said, I can do this on my own? Yeah, so honestly, Merrill Lynch was um, Merrill Lynch was a really great time for me at the time. At that time in my life, I was like I said, I'm, I was 19. Um, I'm from, to be quite honest, a gang-ridden town, right? So most of my friends and family at the time, if we're 19, 20 years old, they're thinking about partying. They're thinking about stupid street stuff. They're not really thinking about business. Um, so I did have some friends, you know, that we, we would throw parties to kind of entertain our generation at the time. And, you know, other than that, other than throwing parties, paying all my friends' college, um, I had Merrill Lynch, right? So I had this, you know, interesting life at home. And then I found myself in this super professional setting at a very young age. And what that did for me, so I, um, I worked in retirement management. So I would manage retirement accounts for like Walmart, 
um, Merrill Lynch's retirement accounts, KPMG, any uh, any of the big firms that you know will have their retirement 401ks or defined benefit plans managed by Merrill, I was one of the people that was actually managing the funds. So like the money would come in, I had to make sure that the funds balanced. I had to make sure that um, our participants uh, were properly credited and debited for their transactions, et cetera. So for me at that young age, um, it allowed me to look at money more objectively, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of, um, and because I didn't really have a real need for money, I was a college student, um, I never got in the mindset of needing money, right? Like I didn't grow up having a lot of money, but I grew up with a lot of love. So I didn't need much, right? Um, so living in this kind of abundant mind state and then learning that money is just numbers by looking at these billions of dollars that I was working with every day, I really feel like that allowed me to um, adapt the mindset that uh, that allows me to help my clients today, you know? So um, when I talk to a, a client, I like to help them figure out what their triggers are that triggers them about money, or maybe there's some generational stuff, right? Like, I know we all hear the saying that money doesn't grow on what? Trees. Trees. So mm-hmm. there are things like that, that, you know, I try to help people unlearn because <laughs> money literally does grow on trees. And so when you learn that money is just numbers and you can release that negative energy that you had, that, that we've been taught about money, um, you can literally manifest and, and, and attract an unlimited amount of money into your life. So um, that was the biggest thing that I learned is that money is just numbers. And you know you just figure out the equation to increase the numbers and decrease the expenses. And life is simple, but mm-hmm. we're human, so we make life hard. <laughs> yeah, let's just for um, documentation purposes, let's just get out there. What, what's, what's the zodiac sign? What's your zodiac sign? I'm a Gemini. A Gemini, okay, okay. So I, so I, embody, I embody like Kanye's energy probably. Okay, go get her. <laughs> Like, get out here and get it. It's a whole lot of successful Geminis. Okay. So you've always been good with money and numbers and things. Math was a strong suit for Oh, yeah. You. Math was my favorite. Math was my favorite subject in school. Listen, mm-hmm. you can't ask me where a state is on the map. You can't ask me about the Renaissance period in history. I know mm-hmm. nothing about that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but numbers, though. You got numbers. I need to be able... Um, I need to be able to compute something right if mm-hmm. my brain is just very analytical and i i learn things uh through relations right so a lot of how i think is um you know a x plus b equals c right so like it's like relational and I, I look at my son who's six years old and i see his wheels turning a lot and he has the same kind of mindset as me, like as, when it comes to being analytical and kind of putting things together in that way. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was definitely a math nerd. Yeah, me too. I mean, when I was younger, I wanted to be a civil engineer, architect, civil engineer, because I, you know, a lot of engineering. Oh, that's super dope. A lot of math. What do you do? I, I'm a programmer, computer programmer now. So, I mean, that's still analytical. It's very black that's and right white. That's right in that. Yeah, zero yeah. and one. Right. Um, well, I'll tell you this. The reason that I didn't do accounting. So I have an accounting firm, Opulence Financial Group, uh, but I have accountants that manage the numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. I prefer to be in more of a creative 
space. So I like to work with clients when we're talking about cash flow management. We're talking about building out strategies for your money, right? Turning A into C. Um, that's where I prefer to work best uh, because the black and white is just so boring. I also have a creative side to me. I think that's a Gemini side mm-hmm. um, that, you know, makes me, forces me to be more creative than like a traditional accountant would be. Um, so that's why I went to school for finance instead of accounting. So you would be good, a good person to talk to if somebody had a business that they're going through and they want to figure out how to make it grow. They want to scale. Absolutely. Would, you would be perfect to talk to. You have my help. Oh, absolutely. Ideas. I've, built out, I've built out six and seven figure marketing plans for, um, oh, give me one sec. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We're back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I've built out six and seven figure marketing and strategy plans for many of your favorite influencers. Um, I work with a lot of people when they're, you know, big and small businesses. So definitely strategy is like my favorite thing. And um, I think it's definitely my gift too. Yeah. <clears throat> could we, could we do a quick, you know, let's just do a quick mock a mock thing. Let's do I it. I don't know how much information you would need from me, but let's just say I'm a young. Let's say I have a, a new like construction business, right? And I might have worked on maybe 10 houses and I need I'm saying, OK, we did 10 houses. Budgets for those projects have been around 60,000 each. So we, we have some good success for our first 10 houses. Right. And. Now it's time to hire some people so we can get more jobs and, and bigger jobs. What, how would I start to, what, what would I need to think about first? Let's say, what do I need to think about before growing? Because some people might try yeah. to grow too fast and then they just fall apart because they didn't understand yeah. scale. So, right. that, so what, what, what steps should I take first? Let's talk about that. Yeah, so um, what I tell people, you know, that are looking to scale is that number one, you need to know your numbers. So You've already talked about you've made $600,000, right? And that sounds amazing. But what you didn't mention is how much the job cost, how much you spent, how much you had to outsource, right? So there's so many other numbers that come in between um, just the, the growth and the net that, first of all, there's a whole lot more questions that I need to ask. But what I would say and what I have seen and what I tell my clients from a profitability perspective is um, you typically don't need to hire your first, you don't need to bring on your first full-time employee until you're at like $250,000 in revenue, right? So you are essentially a solopreneur, um, side hustler until you're at like $250,000 in revenue. Once once you get to $250,000, that's a good time to bring on another full-time employee now. You can have VAs and, you know, of course, as a construction company, you're going to be outsourcing and bringing in other people. Uh, so construction specifically, uh, you have to take a look at the jobs, right? Figure out what kind of jobs are most profitable for you, those kind of things. Um, and, and and really in construction, your, your most important thing is going to be um, the job costs, the materials costs, that kind of thing. Um, but in general, for any kind of business, if you're not making at least $250,000, you don't need a full-time employee. Right. For profitability purposes, I typically tell my clients that for every two hundred and fifty thousand, that's when you can award yourself another full time hire. Right. So if you're if you're anywhere from two fifty one to five hundred, 
you probably only need one and a half people, like one full-time person, one part-time person, and maybe you can use two VAs to kind of fill in some other things. Uh, but you want to keep those costs down because that's really, you know, how you're going to be able to keep yourself profitable. Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned VA. I know it's virtual assistant, but can you, for people who don't know about that, can you yeah. break down the science? Because I've been hearing people talking about that. Um, oh, yeah, no. Um, talk about I mean, that. How, how do you locate those? Yeah, so VAs are great. Uh, one of my mentors actually owns a company in the Philippines, and they hire really any kind of VA you, you could be looking for. Uh, you've got people that manage marketing, social media. Uh, VA stands for virtual assistant, and it's essentially somebody that you can bring onto your company on a contract basis and pay them like $5 an hour. So... <laughs> You know, uh, what you have to do is you have to figure out what your minimum wage, what minimum wage activities you're doing every day in your business. Right. So for me, minimum wage activities might be following up to emails. You have a podcast, probably scheduling your podcast is a minimum wage activity. Right. Designing flyers is probably a minimum wage activity. Um, if you can get more consistent where you're focused on sales that's going to be the biggest contributing factor to the growth of your business, right? So you, you know, if you're the business owner, you're probably going to be the number one closer on a team. You're going to be the number one spokesman. You're going to be the number one salesman. You know what I'm saying? So that's really where you should be focusing your genius and any other minimum wage activities. You need to push that off onto a VA. Nice. I did have a quick question for you about marketing, right? I, you're, you have the Money Maven Instagram account, right? But you also have like another personal account, right? I do. That's, but your Money Maven account has way more followers on it than the personal one. And a lot of times you see mm -hmm. like kind of influencers or people who will be considered experts, subject matter experts, it's the other way around. You know, they'll, yeah. personally, they'll have a whole bunch of followers and then their business page will have a lot less. So how did you figure out how to get more followers to your business page. Like, yeah, what's the strategy? So it's been, you know, Instagram has been around for a couple of years. So initially that page was my personal page. Um, I decided that I didn't want, I didn't want it to be about me, right? I don't always want to have to show up. Uh, and I wanted to figure out how I can show up less and still make the same impact, right? By using VAs or by using assistance, right? Or having someone else run my social media. Um, so I wanted to kind of pull myself out of the equation a bit, but I, I do know that when I am, you know, the person that's showing up, I, we do get more engagement. We get better engagement when I'm the person that shows up. So you can't replace the magic, right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> You're back. I'm sorry, that's my realtor. Mm -hmm. um, you can't you can't replace the magic of, of yourself. So that's, that's the one thing, but I started the other page. Um, I started a personal page because there are people that still want to keep up with my life, you know, my personal life. And um, I just kind of wanted to keep the two separate. You know, I didn't want to have so much personal information on the business Instagram. Um, you know, this is what you come in here for. You're coming here to get inspired, educated. And to learn something or, or uh, you know, get something that you can share with your friends, right? Get some kind of financial knowledge. And then on my personal page, it's like, okay, well, this is how I'm living, right? Because people always want to see the proof. 
<laughs> you know, like I, there, there's so many meme pages out there that really are, are kind of faceless, but they popping, right? They got a couple hundred thousand, couple hundred thousand followers. Um, so I just try to keep a mix. I try to keep a little balance between me showing up and then still providing good value content. Yeah, that's good. I probably should have been making content a long time ago, but I just, I was doing it, but I wasn't releasing it like the way I should have been. I wasn't using yeah. Instagram as a, as a big enough tool. I still was, I was pretty much using Instagram like my visual tool, Personal. pretty much like I wasn't using it the way it should have been used. Right. But, and see, <clears throat> Twitter's one thing I just never got into. I have one just because I figured we need it, but Twitter is just see, not my I thing. Was, I was young pretty much when they started Twitter. So I was like all in. So I was like right. 18 when I got on there. But uh, I'm 30 now, so I'm not. So that's been a, it's been a while since I got on Twitter. The I'm 31 now. The um, I had a question about. So let's say, what do you suggest, right, when it comes to business structure? So I want to set up a business, but I know there's a certain point. If you if you don't hit a certain threshold, a lot of people still consider it a hobby, right? So um, at what point should I start looking to take my business away from? my own social security number or personal EIN or sole proprietorship and look into right. either corporation or LLC or maybe partnership or whatever. And what, what's the threshold that you think, or should you, should you start out LLC? Yeah. Better? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, the LLC versus sole proprietorship is major, right? For several reasons. Number one, LLC is, uh, it provides protection, right? So it's limited liability. So your LLC is strictly for the state because if anybody's going to sue you or sue your business, they're going to have to sue you in that state. So your limited liability company is going to provide you that protection. And from a tax perspective, the LLC itself is not really providing any tax benefits, right? Okay. Other than, you know, other than a, a sole proprietorship would, right? So when you're, when you're a sole proprietor and a single member LLC, they essentially get taxed the same unless you've decided to turn yourself into a corporation. Um, now, going to a corporation, you can start off as a corporation. A lot of people and a lot of accountants uh, will say, especially LLC Twitter, <laughs> they'll say, go and get your, you know, turn your LLC into an escort, right? So that, that's always the question. Um, my first question is, well, how much gross, how much gross revenue are you making and how much net are you making? Right. Because if you're making a million dollars and you're spending a million dollars, you being an S corp versus you being an LLC really isn't going to make much of a difference. Right. Mm -hmm. But the first thing that you want to think about is your liability. So if you're in a high risk industry, you should definitely have an LLC. If you're in construction, um, if you're doing something to someone's body, you're providing food, um, you know, anything where people might can be harmed, you definitely want to have an LLC because that's going to provide that limited liability. That's going to separate you from your business. That also separates your assets. So if you own a home and you have equity, um, if you own cars, right, whatever assets you own, your LLC is going to protect those assets. Um, from a tax perspective, your LLC isn't doing much for you. Uh, there are some tax strategies that you can use as a single member LLC, but normally, right? Normally I tell clients, once you're grossing at least $50,000 um, net, um, once you're netting 50,000, I'm sorry, once you're netting $50,000 in revenue, 
um, maybe it's a good time for you to start looking at an S-Corp, right? So your S-Corp, the number one thing uh, for having an S-Corp is that you want to pay yourself a reasonable salary. Mm -hmm. And the next question is, well, what's the reasonable salary, right? Uh, so that's kind of subjective. It depends on your industry. It depends on how long you've been in business, right? Um, because let's say you're in construction, if you're a project manager in construction, average salary is probably $150,000 if you just look on Glassdoor, right? Mm -hmm. So you literally have to go out to the market and do the research. What does a person in my industry make? And if you can afford to pay yourself that, at least that salary, then maybe you want to consider switching over to an escort. And you can turn your LLC, right? So you can start off with the LLC. And as you continue to create more revenue for your business and have a higher net income, uh, you can switch into an escort by filing um, an election with the IRS. Um, but, you know, at the very least, you want to have an LLC. Uh, the next reason that you want to have an LLC, at least, is because it allows you to start to build business credit, right? So how would you like for the IRS to pay for your vacations, right? Pay for um, your living, right? How would you like for the IRS to pay for you to host events at your own house? You know, so those are the things that you can do when you have your business properly structured. And then when you talk about going to get business credit, now you're using other people's money to invest in your business, invest in your marketing, buy and purchase your inventory, and you can literally keep your money in the bank, right? So of course, when you're starting off, you're going to be investing out of your own pocket. But as you start to build up your revenue, I tell people, if you own assets, and assets could be anything from intellectual property, real estate, um, businesses, right? So if you own any assets, the amount of money and capital that you have the ability to um, acquire is limitless. But you just first need to have that structure in place. And actually, on my five-day challenge, um, this is one of the one day we're literally talking about how to choose your structure, what's going to be best for you, how to name your business, right? So a lot of people fall into these tracks, right? They want their business to be sexy, or let's just say like you're in credit repair and you want to say, oh, this is Shaniqua's credit repair. Okay, well, we understand who you are and what you do, but when you go to the bank, you're probably not going to be able to get a bank account, right? When you go and get funding, creditors are going to say, oh, you're in credit that's a high risk industry, you know, you're automatically going to be denied just because of the name of your business. So a lot of those trade secrets that I've learned over the last 15 years, I'll be sharing in my five day, um, it's called one business away challenge. Uh, because I really believe that everybody is literally one business away. I started my tax business 15 years ago, at the same time that I was working at Merrill Lynch, that tax business has allowed me to retire myself by the age of 30. I traveled around the world. I invest in real estate. I invest in stocks. I really do whatever I want to do. <laughs> mm. And that's, you know what I'm saying? That's the freedom um, that you can buy yourself with the business. Um, so that's why I'm hosting these one day, one day, uh, one business away challenges every single quarter for people to hop on. Yeah, it's amazing, man. And a lot of this stuff that I'm, I'm asking you is because I want other people to know. I, I know pretty much a lot of this stuff already is because yeah. I've been studying people like you for years, even uh, not, not even just people like you. I'm big on reading. I don't, I don't like to read an article about a law. I like to read the law. Like I want to see what it says. And then I want to, you are very far few in between. <laughs> right. So that's just how I, that's just how I always have been actually. So um, I've been, you know, even when you talk about 
when you get your LLC to a certain point and you can file that um, election, you know, that's, I'm even dealing with that a little bit, you know, that 8832 form, all this type of stuff, just because I pay attention to people like you. The only reason I haven't made certain, certain leaps in business is because of my, it's like a, you know, like the financial insecurity. And it's not even that, it's not even the lack of having money. It's the mental thing of being afraid to make that jump. Really, that's what a lot of people, because once you the get jump to jump from point, corporate or what, what jump? Just to jump from make, making a leap and going hard 100% into running a business that would, that would well, be my I'll, passion. Well, I'll share my journey with you a little bit, right? And this is how you can kind of tell if you're ready to make that leap. Number one, I think that every business owner needs to have three to six months worth of personal expenses. Um, so if it's costing you $3,000 a month to live, you need to have anywhere from nine thousand to you know twenty seven thousand dollars for a living, and that's super important. And I think people really take that serious now, especially with the pandemic. So many people unemployed, so many people you know had to stay home or scared to go back to work. They didn't want to leave their children or children at home, and you can't go to work, right? So that's why it's so important. You need three to six months of living expenses. Um, but people always forget the business expenses and because we're not properly doing accounting or bookkeeping or anything like that, you don't even know what it costs to run your business on a monthly basis. Right. So definitely figure out what it costs to keep you profitable. I always say, if you're not marketing, you're not in business. So you need a marketing budget. You need, um, your budget for your different softwares. You know, I'm sure you use zoom, whatever, have you right um so you have to pay for all those things um so you just want to make sure that you can afford to leave your job uh before your job leaves you and the way that you do that is by going hard in your business while you're still working and you know putting money up put money to the side Mm -hmm. yeah it's just been a mental thing for me i'm not i'm not a big risk taker but i know that if i want to get to certain points that i want to get to i'm gonna have to start doing it and i've been getting out here with crypto and stuff like that more and more lately I know mm-hmm. you said that, that you mess with crypto a little bit too. Um, I'm not going to hold you too much longer, but do you have some, because a lot of people are really scared of crypto. Like some yeah, of us are, some I, of I us are lie. in. I'm a little nervous about crypto. Oh, you are too? Okay. So yeah, what, so what, I'm, I come from like the big boy institutional, you know, investment consulting. So investing. yeah, super mm-hmm. traditional. Um, I've been a buy and hold investor, even in real estate, right? But I'm actually about to close on my first flip in the next, I was supposed to close on Friday, but in the next few weeks, I'll be closing on my first flip. So I'm getting more aggressive. Um, And I think that just comes with time. You know, you got to learn how to diversify and you have to learn how to accept more risk, but you don't learn that by watching other people do it. You got to get in the game. You got to see how it feel. And you have to become emotionally intelligent enough to realize that, look, this is just paper. This is just paper. You know what I'm saying? What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) <laughs> you're either going to win or lose, right? And if you lose, you're learning a lesson, you're going to do it better the next time. So I tell especially young people all the time, fail quickly and fail often so that you can get to the point where you want to be and, um, you know, figure out what actually is your lane and what is your risk tolerance. But you can't just stay scared. And if you stay scared, you, know, you, you play small, you stay small. Of course, of course. I've been, I've been slow. I'm about to make a big jump coming soon. Like I'm starting this, I'm starting a network up right now. So I'm recruiting other people to come on my network. So I don't have to do all the footwork. Of course you want right. to, you know, but <clears throat> where, where can people find you? What, what type of stuff do you have coming up that people can look for um, in, in yeah. your business and career? 
Yeah, for sure. So um, you guys can always find me on Instagram at Money Maven Club. Um, like I said earlier, I will be hosting the One Business Away Challenge every single quarter of the year. We're going to be talking about um, setting your business up for $100,000 in business funding, uh, uh, the top five, I believe, top five tax strategies that are going to help you save anywhere from twenty dollars to $80,000 in taxes. And uh, we're going to be talking about marketing. We're going to be talking about your systems that you need in your business to keep in touch with your customers, make things easier for you, get rid of those minimum wage activities that you're doing in your business. And uh, we're going to be talking about marketing ad strategy, uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, all of that. You can find that at onebusinessawaychallenge.com. And you can always follow me on Instagram or check me out on moneymaven.club. Very nice. I, I appreciate you for coming on with me today. Uh, I really hope that I can get you on a little bit later because there's some more stuff that I do want to discuss with you, but I want to get more, um, more well-versed in, in a few things first. Okay. But um, congrats on that, on that flip that you have coming up. For sure. I appreciate it. I'm so nervous, but like yeah. I said, you play small, you stay small. So amazing. We don't got time right. for that. All right, y'all. Everybody, y'all make sure y'all go follow her. She's a good person. I appreciate person. you, King. Have a good at, one. Met her at the Invest Fest and she showed love. So that's all. That's all. That's all that matters right there. If you show love, you grow. All right. Peace out. Thank you.